Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Special. Hello. How's it going, Derek? Fantastic. We have a guest with us tonight. We do. Very excited. Ooh, but is he as excited as we are? Probably not. Alan Drummond from Kingdom Outdoor Products. How are you, buddy? I'm not as excited as you are. Oh. <laughs> if I was excited as you are, I'd be there in person now, wouldn't I? He's our occasional co-host. Yeah, he's our occasional. I'm maybe calling last in time. like the inter- I'm calling in like the international correspondent, Sean Van Berger. <laughs> we can't get him on. He won't call us. He won't call in. Yeah, he's dealing with things right now. Yeah, a- Alan's our cross city. Well, I'm excited to be here. Why not? Why not? What, what else am I doing on a winter Monday night? <laughs> Is it actually like winter? <laughs> no, it's not actually winter. Like pre-spring. Yes. It's a rehearsal for spring. That gopher is already come and gone. Yeah. It's, no, he's a groundhog. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Call him a gopher. Did you hear about the yeah. Quebec groundhog? I know. I was just going to mention that. Yeah. We, were, we were joking that he was assassinated because it was poor. He was taken out before the prediction happened. Sad. Sad event to happen. But. It was a hit. But yeah, what, what was it, like two hours or something before he's supposed to Yeah, just prediction? a couple hours before he, uh, he was going to make his presentation. It's like, oh. Woke up dead. <laughs> Could you imagine dead. being the like the grand marshal that had to go, and the groundhog says, <laughs> oh. <laughs> the Wire King guy, they covered up his untimely death and they had an imposter in there for like nine months. Ooh, like well, but don't they have. scandal about that. Isn't this like the the fifth or sixth Wart and Willie? Oh, likely. Something like that, yeah. yeah. They don't have a very long lifespan. No, especially... They're for crying out loud. Or <laughs> something. Rodents. They're giant rodents. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I rodents of unusual size. People who like marmots and groundhogs. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, oh, marmots. There's one. Marmots. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's... Uh, well, you know, it's because I bought that snowblower, right? <laughs> <laughs> that the snow went away or that the groundhog died? Both. <laughs> <laughs> that the snow's gone away. It hasn't snowed much. It's, uh, yeah, because I bought finally broke down and bought a snowblower. We've only had one big storm. Yeah. Climate change comes. Sean buys a snowblower. <laughs> I'm giving up lawn mowing. <laughs> Hides the dog poo. <laughs> Just run the snowblower through the dog poo. <laughs> you know my neighbor's yard. Yeah. <laughs> Alan's just giggling here. <laughs> why, why did I get suckered into this? I'm not going to contribute to that line of question anymore. <laughs> well, you know what this week is? Uh, the week previous to Family Day weekend. Um, Valentine's Day week? Oh, yes. Close. Oh, oh no, I know, I know it because it's on the agenda. <laughs> it's on our show notes, Derek. Well, look at that. Oh, look at that. Look at that. I never read that line. It's you that? and Derek's anniversary. Yes. Wow, seven years. And I didn't get you Did anything. you guys exchange See? a gift? You got, you well, got what beer. Is <laughs> what is the seven-year gift thing? Um, Something from the Tilted Glass Brewing Company. <laughs> uh, I think this is what he got me last year. Roberta Blondar. Blonde, uh, blonde ale. They did not bastardize Roberta Bondar's name. Yeah, it's a blonde beer. Oh, okay. So the traditional gift for a seventh anniversary is copper and wool. So copper I think you wool. have to get each other copper mugs and a merino sweater. Oh, I was going to give him one of my wool socks here. <laughs> <laughs> I just bought a set of copper mugs. Made in Canada. Really? Yeah. Canadian copper, all the way from mm-hmm. Sudbury, maybe. <laughs> I don't know, but they're rolled and made in, off, yeah, just outside Vancouver. 
Vancouver nickel Great. or mm-hmm. Vancouver copper. Mm-hmm. I don't. Interesting. I don't. Yeah. Okay. So uh, seven years ago, we mm-hmm. this week we, awesome. we put out our first episode. This is an event. And which episode is this? Ooh, this episode is very timely, being three hundred sixty-five. The three hundred sixty-fifth day <laughs> <laughs> is yearly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, 365th episode. Um, so this comes out, if you're listening to this as we just put it out, is February 16th, and February 17th is the uh, actual seven years. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, shit, you guys usually record this on Tuesdays, but today's Monday and we're recording on Monday because you two value your lives. And that's right? Like recording on Tuesday. No, we value our wives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Your lives. <laughs> This is an eventful month for me. It's uh, so mine and Siobhan's anniversary is on the seventh, and her birthday and Valentine's Day both on the fourteenth, and uh, on the seventeenth is uh, podcast anniversary. Wow! I have two anniversaries this month. Ooh. Look at you go! Hey. Oh. Go, Derek! Yeah. Go, Derek! So yeah, tomorrow <laughs> Siobhan's fiftieth birthday. Yeah, you guys had like a very outdoorsy winter wedding, right? We did. Yeah, yeah, it was outdoors. You should post some pictures on Parasite for that because I remember, like, when you and I first became friends. Like, I went and creeped back all your friends stuff, and well, Facebook friends, (laughs) not like real friends. We're not that Facebook friends. (laughs) No, no, stop pushing here. Yeah, it was good. It was uh, the pictures were pretty cool, eh? A lot of them, most of them, were taken by Mark Rubino. He was there, and uh, yeah, it was it was nice. We, I'm I'm kind of anti church. And uh, so I wanted to make sure it had nothing to do with that. So we did it outdoors and built a ice wall for a for a, for a, you know whatever you call that harbor thing, and did the igloo for the honeymoon suite. And I think we actually talked about this last week. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Igloos are a bit of a big thing these days. Yes, I see a lot of people. Everybody's building igloos. Yeah. Well, by everybody, I mean two people on social media that the, I'm yes, connected yes, to. Exactly. Yeah. Same. Martin, Martin Same. Pine and uh, Kim Switzer. Kim Switzer. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, like, and they're just like knocking them out in like two and three hours and stuff. It's yeah. like, wow. Yeah. And Martin built a huge one. Like, I saw He's standing up like, inside it. I was impressed. Just like, wow, that's uh, that, that's a lot of, like, I don't know where he found all the snow, but every time I try and make one, there's I the run energy. out of snow. I don't know where he found the energy. <laughs> yeah. I get enough snow around here to make the door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we built an Wait, our doors. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> we built an igloo on Silent Lake one year in, in like February or something, January. And uh, there was a busload of people up from Toronto, cross country skiing at Silent Lake. And we ended up drawing a crowd of about a dozen people, and they sat down on the edge of the lake and watched us for like two hours <laughs> as we built the, the igloo. Not knowing <laughs> what they were doing. <laughs> it's like, you know. we're drawing a crowd. Look at this. <laughs> Don't screw it up. Ah. <laughs> uh. Otherwise, things well, you're happen. going. You're going winter camping next weekend, right, Sean? This weekend, what are yeah. Condition is is there winter in Algonquin right now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, there is. Okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah. southern Ontario is like spring days. Yeah. Yeah. After more monsoon. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be minus twenty at night. It's going to be the coldest one night, but it's up around minus five. So far, the forecast. It's okay. yeah. It's not absolutely you know, and uh, we're taking Athena for her first outdoor trip as well nice so we'll see if she's a winter camping Mm -hmm. dog before she becomes a canoe dog running with the wolves at night yeah whatever it's all good (laughs) rest of us do (laughs) 
Maybe you've covered this in past episodes I've not listened to, but have you had her in the canoe yet, even on, like, grass? Not yet, no. No, no we're, we've just been uh, going out to the parks and uh, the trails and working on a recall and stuff like that and getting her right. socialized with dogs she likes. She has, like, just absolutely goes bonkers with other dogs. People she'll run up to and, you know, um, ignore them if she can. <laughs> she really doesn't. She just can't people. She, uh, yeah, she, she'll come up to you and give you a quick sniff, but then be on her way, you know, yeah. unless of course you got food or something. She's starting to get a bit cool. more food motivated, oh, yeah? which makes the training so much easier. Just like her daddy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you'll eat that biscuit <laughs> and you'll like it. Give me more dog bones. <laughs> oh, well, good to see you, Alan. And, I can't and see you him. Guys. It's been a while. Yeah, I can see him. I can't. I can. You're not missing much. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't changed. Look exactly like you did last time we saw him. Does he still have hair? Well, I don't know. I got a haircut the other day, so my hair might be shorter. No, no, it's still it's okay. long as it was before. He's got the yeah. mullet. Because I turned white yet? <laughs> no. No, it's a shade of gray. <laughs> 50 of them. <laughs> 50 hairs. 50 shades. Each one's a different shade. Okay. <laughs> Uh, well, let's get into this tonight, then. we got a few things to talk about, and we're just going to be all over the board tonight, too, because it's been a busy week. Uh, James Raffin. I recognize that name. I read one of his books. Um, Have you ever seen him speak in person? I don't think I've actually seen him speak. I've spoken to him. Fantastic orator. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. I went, when he released his book, uh, I should know this because like, I like literally packed it in a box the other day because I'm moving right now, um, where he visited all these northern c- communities all around the Arctic Circle. So in Canada, uh, Alaska, Russia, um, uh, Sweden, Norway, Finland, all that, all, all the way around Siberia, and um, visited with all these northern communities and that. And I went to this... Uh, you know, book release at uh, Handcrafted Canoes when they were around out in Kitchener. It was he's a very compelling orator. So. Yeah, it's it's. I've not actually had the uh, opportunity to listen to him speak, but I've because re- I'm trying to think of the name. It's upstairs. The one about the polar bears. Right. And yeah, I wasn't too happy with the ending. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, anyway, uh, he's written an article for Paddling Magazine called The Worst mm-hmm. Camping Invention of the 21st Century. And I've got to say, I fully 100% agree mm-hmm. with this. So he, he says it's... I agree, but... So you finish but, and then I'll do my But, <laughs> Alan only half, half agrees. Uh, he says, it's confession time. Deep down, I'm a closet gadget junkie. A bit of a techno-weenie, if you will. When it comes to seductively cool innovations for canoeing and camping, I'm all in. Which I think a lot of people, when they see new gadgets, yeah. they're like, ooh. Yeah. And then they run through all the gamuts of, when am I going to use it? And then, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's 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 a combination of, uh, oh, this is really neat, or, or you buy in cheap on some gadget and it breaks right away, or mm-hmm. you don't want to spend the big bucks on a fancy gadget, and then if you do, it's like, well, I'm, I never use that thing, and... It just yeah. sits in a box somewhere. Mm-hmm. Well, I've built a business with gadgets, mm-hmm. with stuff we don't all need, but we all want. And, like, 
second to golfers, I think people that love the outdoors are gadget freaks. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I've got umpteen things that I've discovered what I'm packing up to because I'm moving right now. All these different gadgets from suppliers that have sent them to me at Kingdom Outdoor Products plug. Um, that just like, it's like, it looks great, but then you dive into it and it's like, yeah, <laughs> no, like a headlamp with the white light in the middle and a red and green light on the left and right. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, we don't really need that. Or I, I was uh, connected with one guy. He made um, a bunch of uh, old fashioned style washboards. And he's like, how awesome this would be a light, light duty thing strapped to the bottom of your canoe, canoe uh, seat. It's, um, you know, put a fish scale on it for people who are fishing when they're out on trip and that, and you can measure your fish on it. You can wash your clothes on it and stuff. And I'm just like, but it's just excess gear. Yeah. You know, it's like, we got to wash our clothes out in the bush. We just kind of go swimming while wearing them. And yeah. everybody kind of has their own method. You know, there's that scrubby, um, dry bag that's got the little nubs on the inside that people shake, shake, shake oh, it. Yeah. Or you bet, yeah. wash it against a rock or, you know, we don't need another washboard. I've got like three of those at home that I'm, um, trying to get rid of somehow, <laughs> respectively. Um, you know, all sorts of things. So gadgets are shit we love. Mm -hmm. And we all subscribe to them, we all buy them, and all of our gear closets have a ton of gadgets. Now, at the beginning of this, you said, I agree with this, and I said, I agree with this, but I agree with the but is because I own one of these. <laughs> <laughs> you are a sucker. And, you know, no, I was gifted. So uh -huh. it was, uh, you know, what do you guys think? has everything it's all you ask for shit that you wouldn't buy yourself mm -hmm. um and the concept is fantastic oh you haven't even described what it is no no you? you're, oh, you're jumping why ahead you here. Do that? why don't you do that yeah. and go back to, but to go with I'll what go you were saying like when i used to go rock climbing all the time like i've got so many different gadgets and things oh, for yeah. rock climbing yeah. you know that it, it's just like outside of that what am i going to use them for mm -hmm. so i got a bag of stuff and <laughs> Uh, he says, back in the 70s, for example, at the suggestion of a pilot friend, I was part of the first wave of paddlers using small aircraft emergency locator transmissions or transmitters on remote Arctic river trips. Those were part of the long nose of innovation leading to the development of today's indispensable in-reach and spot technologies. So, yeah, so some ga few gadgets are useful. Uh, he says, in fact, some of the shiny wheelie what-sits aimed at folks like me should never have been invented in the first place. My short list of dubious outdoor gadgets and innovations include some sovereignty impractical items. For example, the squat strap for tying yourself to a tree to <laughs> ensure you don't dump in your pants around your ankles. What was that one? That's just been out. I've seen it a lot lately. The crap strap. Yeah, the crap that strap. That was it. You, you basically hangs around your waist and around a tree yeah. so you can lean back and do your you know it so i posted that on my a lot of things we're talking about tonight i, I posted about had had a lot of conversation with people on uh, my facebook group i managed to see kayak ontario mm -hmm. um and some people did i posted it as a jest like mm -hmm. who the hell needs this but people like people lower back issues people with mobility issues people mm -hmm. with like that can't get up from a squat yeah um people who are new to camping and have never pooped in the woods could have some use out of this now that thing was like the Rolls royce of straps like yeah a, a simple tie down strap you use or, or a six foot long piece of rope does just the same job so there are some people who may have some mobility issues could find use with that but mm -hmm. so but for the most part, yeah. For the most part, it, it, for the experienced 
Tripper, it's like, eh, yeah. that deck does. Um, yeah, that, that, that was funny. The butane powered hair curling iron. Had I, I known. So, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But. You have that for your beard, Sean. Right? <laughs> but would people really use that in the woods? I honestly don't know. Because if you're taking a curling iron with you. <laughs> I don't know. So I've had a partner in the past who took that when we were traveling. Traveling is one sure, thing. That but makes sense. Traveling, but not. Yeah, backcountry. Freeze dried beer and ice cream. I've heard of those. I've had the freeze dried ice cream. I've never tried. Yeah, the, beer. the ice cream. I'm not too big on the freeze dried ice cream. The beer, I wouldn't. I've tasted the powdered stuff. Yeah. And uh, I don't know that it go to the beer route. Yeah, that's for flavor. If there's no alcohol left. That'd be all be gone. I ain't coming back. Yeah. The, the Leatherman tread bracelet designed to turn utilitarian function into inglorious fashion. The hat. None of us bought it, but we all looked at that when that came out. We all looked at that. We all looked at like, it. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Right. Yeah, no. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the hand crank campsite blender. Hmm. So that you can get your margaritas going, I would assume. <laughs> well, That's ice. right up there with the campsite ice cream maker. Right. <laughs> right. The umbrella hat. And don't even get me started on office technical wear. <laughs> However, the mother of all useless outdoor gadgets, in my humble opinion, is the hand espresso pump billed as the world's first eco-friendly, non-electrical portable espresso machine. And therein lies the beautiful fable, he says. <laughs> now, you say you've got one of these, Alan. I do. I have the exact one he's talking about in the article. And have you um, used it? I have at home. I haven't taken it back country because, or tripping, or day tripping, or anything. I think I've used it twice. Um, just because it's a lot of work. Um, it's a simple little coffee maker. It is simple, but it... Um, requires cleaning and blah, 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 blah. When I go out, I just prefer the uh, the Starbucks via coffee. That's good enough for me. I'm not a huge coffee drinker. I don't need the fancy shit. So it's like the little Starbucks via, they weigh next to nothing. They weigh about a gram and a half. Yep. Um, this thing, it's just, it's, you got to bring grounds with you and you got to pack it. You got to boil your water separate. You got to put through the device and it's just, it's, just a luxurious thing that if you're a coffee connoisseur, great. Um, I'm sure there's people that love this and rave about it and take it on every trip and show it off to their friends and family. And so I don't know if I would call it the worst thing ever, but Mr. Raffin certainly does. It's right up there. So, you know, I mean, that's like, you know, he talks about the cowboy coffee. Yep, yep. Throw you know, boil your water, throw the coffee grounds right in, and then use the um, centrifugal, centrifugal force. force, swinging the pot around to get all the bo- grounds to go to the bottom. Even that's too much work for me. <laughs> Just boil the water, rip open one of the thingies, yep, put it in, yep. add hot water, I'm on my way. <laughs> now, John Van Berger, I don't know if you've ever seen his coffee ritual. Oh, he goes. He's got a whole system. You yeah. Know, so, you know, I think... When he visited me at my place, and this is before I had one, he used the AeroPress, mm-hmm. which is a great, great method. It's nice and light. It's not the smallest thing on the planet, but definitely not as small as a Via packet. But, you know, that's probably what I would take if I wanted more of a coffee coffee rather than the instant coffee. But yeah. still, you need to bring ground, ground, 
ground grinds with you. You need to filter with you and take some couple minutes, you know, but unless you're going so far as to bring your own personal grinder as well, then you just need to bring the beans. Uh, so I refer you back to John Van Berger. <laughs> yes. And grinder with him and grind his own coffee. At each and time. see, when I look at that sort of thing, that's just extra weight. Mm-hmm. Yes. That somebody's got a yeah. portage. Mm-hmm. And if you're into the coffee, you're portaging. <laughs> <laughs> well, that goes back to the to, to subjects I'm sure we've talked about a thousand times on this podcast. It's... it's you know, we do make sacrifices for what mm-hmm. we want and what we want to bring. You know, some people bring an extra 10 pounds that somebody else wouldn't just because they want the camp chair. They want the creature comforts or they want the beer. Yeah, right? exactly. They yeah. go yeah. three yeah. portages and, and they want the can of Miller Genuine Draft or whatever poison they're drinking. So <laughs> each into their own sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he goes on and says, to be sure, I love coffee, particularly when twirled with the smell of wood smoke on the side of a river somewhere far away, but nearly $200 for one cup gadget seems like a lot. <laughs> I gotta agree yes. with that. The instruction manual stated, make premium quality espresso anywhere, whether on holiday or a business trip in the countryside or on the sea, in your kitchen or garden. It sounded just like the thing we needed, the one... <laughs> With one word of warning, don't be surprised by the small capacity of the reservoir, 1.76 fluid ounces. For maximum flavor and quality control, the manual suggested sending away for a supply of Keurigesque espresso pods and a pod adapter for another semi-exorbitant fee. But a DIY enthusiast uh, the marketing material suggests you get your own coffee, boil your own water, and insert both those into the appropriate orifices in the device, which could then be pumped into the green range of the pressure gauge. And then, for those just listening, when the moment Sean said the word orifice, or he had I? a silly grin on his face. <laughs> or FYI, orifices. Or FYI. <laughs> and then, with Continue. a hiss and a sputter, you have a shot of black goo. Only two cups of coffee were attempted with the hand espresso pump, making them about $100 each, <laughs> which is apparently, if you didn't buy it, Alan, but <laughs> you used it well, twice. That's... So I've got the the, the machine uh, or the device. I've got the carrying case, and I've got there's three little pod things or something. So you pre-pack the coffee or something, oh, okay. I think those are. Yeah, so I think um, whoever gifted me that, so yeah, we're 200 in. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, that's on Facebook Marketplace. As I'm moving, I'm selling a lot of stuff. So. <laughs> hey, I know where I'm going to get myself for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Who wants a hiss and a sputter and a shot of black goo? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'll hook you up with some black goo. <laughs> Uh, so that being said, I, like I say, I, I got to agree with that. Uh, all these, the, and I know people that bring all the, the coffee equipment, the French presses and all that along in a backcountry trip. And I'm yeah. just like, ah, oh, come on, you're holding us up. Like you, you got to get up an hour and a half early tomorrow morning so that you're ready to go when the rest of us are right. <laughs> so, uh, what about other uses? I have you guys ever come across over, over the years paddling. I got I got two items. Okay. What about you, Alan? 
Well, that, we've got a few. I mentioned one off the top, that headlamp with the, yeah. the red and the green light and that. Like, in North America, we don't need red and green lights on paddlecraft, so it's kind of a um, thing. Um, this is it's definitely not a useless item, the, the, the coffee press, but it's definitely an absolute luxurious item. Mm-hmm. Um, I take a device on every trip that I'm sure Kevin Callum would probably drown me if he knew I took it, but I take a... Um, I obviously have matches and, and, and lighter and a fire striker and all that as backup, but I take a creme brulee torch. Um, oh, okay. really? there's nothing worse than trying to light your like uh, <laughs> your your gas stove and like singeing all your your arm hair and yeah, off of yeah. it and stuff uh, with the match or a fire striker. But so I just take this little, it's I don't know four or five inches uh, tall uh, little creme brulee torch, and it starts a fire or lights your torch in no time possible. You know, some would hmm. think that's a waste of weight and uh, luxurious, but I find it, you know, just awesome. Works well. Yeah. So, we all, like I said earlier, we all have our little things that we found, our own little comfort zones and our own little things that make things work for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I take kind of exception. But I know what I know what Raffin was going for here, and I know what uh, Pally Magazine was going for. It. Um as much clickbait as anything else. I don't appreciate that they named the item in this, which we've so far elected not to. Um, you know, because it's like some people will find some use in this. And oh, sh- sure, sure. Uh, you know, just I think it's personally is not needed. <laughs> oh, it's that shit. Yeah. Like, it, goes, it goes way beyond. Yeah, <laughs> way beyond what's necessary. But you know, there's people that swear by those little like clipping the little dragonfly things to their their. Oh, my yes. burns. 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 To, so yeah. to keep the mosquitoes away. And it's yeah. like they're what, yeah. like 17, 18 bucks yeah. at Lee Valley. And it's like there's other people who think that's just what a stupid expense. Just put, you know, deed on or just ignore them or whatever. Um, you know, other people get a camp chair that has a mosquito hammock embedded in it. <laughs> <laughs> other people All think around it's silly. It. <laughs> and other people think it's silly. Yeah. Maybe the outdoors is not They're, for you. <laughs> that you, mean, you know, so it's, you know, some, one person's worst invention could be somebody's favorite item. Yeah. What is it? What's the saying? One man's garbage is another man's treasure or something yeah. like that? Yeah. Exactly. I've come across two things that I'm thinking are. One of them, I actually own about three of them, and I used to use them uh, when I used to go rock climbing. We'd come off the cliffs at night. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop here. You said you have two of them, and then you said you have three of them. No, I, I got so two different items. One of them, have I have of three of. So you're a slow learner. Yeah. Well, no, because <laughs> we, 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 at the time, it was the thing to have, right? right. Uh, you know those candle lanterns? Oh. Yeah. I've got. I don't know how many times I had a nice circle yep, on the same. palm of my hand. Same. What a useless invention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the little lantern that you put the little tea light Candle, in? Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, well, yeah, the okay. ones I had were, were tall candles. Yeah. With a spring load at the bottom. With a spring load at the bottom. So, so it was always the yeah. same height. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I... I still have mine. I still have mine, but I used them once or twice. Mm-hmm. And like I say, because we used to use them, you know, when we're we're at the top of the cliff or something like that. And then, yeah, they've never seen the light of day again. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I I bought, I have, I think, two of them. I have the, there's a, a reflector shield that you can buy for the top of it. I have that. And so, uh, and but then it's one of those things. It's like it, it, with anything, it's like technology 
overcome so many things yeah. and and so yeah. i had them i used them often in the early years but then headlamps became fantastic as soon as i went to led lights it's like ah, i are... will never need a, need a candle again because i was always worried about it tipping over or getting shaken off the roof of the tent and oh see i would never bring it into my tent oh i always had it yeah in tent. i never bring fire into a tent mm. at all ever ever well i'm ever ever ever, <laughs> ever 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 yeah, and that's just Darwin's way of getting you out of the gene pool, buddy. <laughs> the other thing I, I've come across, and I've, I don't have one, but I've seen them, the Camper's S'more Grill. Oh. So you make your complete s'more with the, with yeah. the graham crackers and everything, and you put it, you know those things you see at Canadian Tire? For or, making grocery making sandwiches. Like, and no, 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 for like putting your fish in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just the, yeah. the, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the grill thing. Okay. On both sides. Picture that squishing s'mores yeah and then you put that over the the campfire to cook your s'mores and mm-hmm. you open it up and your s'mores okay that's just, not the, just, it's not the square aluminum thing on the stick with the wood handles is it no 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 no, no 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 okay, okay, okay. these okay, are a cheap okay, version okay, of that okay because okay, there's gonna be a fight if you're talking about like getting rid of oh no pie irons i've used for okay, many okay, things okay, um okay. <laughs> including fighting uh, no, this is you've seen those those metal grills that just you know the looks like the side of a of a, a shopping cart. Yeah, and yeah. you lay your fish on one side, and then the the other part folds over top of it, so you can put it cook over the fire. Yeah, same sort of deal, but they're square, well rectangles, so you can put like three stores oh, yeah, in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just get a but stick with a marshmallow. Roast your you marshmallow. Don't cook a s'more. <laughs> you don't cook a s'more. The s'more becomes a s'more. With the burnt marshmallow, cooked marshmallow. Right. An uncooked graham cracker and a piece of... Hence why this is on my list of useless items. Right. You're not making Here we are discussing it in detail. Like, what the heck? (laughs) Everybody's going out to buy one. So whoever makes these, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want a smoky graham cracker, though. I want a smoky marshmallow. Yeah, I don't want a crispy graham cracker. Yeah. (laughs) It's got to be soggy from sitting in the pack for a week. Uh, what about you, Derek? Anything else? Uh, so, like I was talking earlier, like usually you buy something and then technology quickly surpasses it. Right before smartphones came out, there was a, I can't remember the name of the company, but it uh, it you it's a like a uh, spotting scope, but it, it built into is all these electronics. And you can, it does what your smartphone does when you point it at the stars. It pinpoints stuff and it comes up with oh. a little thing inside it. I paid like 200 and 220 bucks for it. I thought, oh, when I'm camping, I'll be able to see what the stars are doing. It was so complicated to use and it wasn't, it was just weird to use. And within a year or two, like there was about, I bought it about the same time that smartphones start coming out. Right. And, uh, and then, you know, all this, uh, the apps were coming out with it. And it's like, now you just point your smartphone at the stars and you can tell where the ISS is and where the iridium satellites are and all that stuff. And this thing, I've, I've tried it out in the backyard and it was, it was hard to use. It was complicated. So I've never used it. It's as is the most gadgety thing you could imagine. And it's in your basement. <laughs> it's in my basement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's like one of those things, but the, otherwise it's uh, like, I, 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 a lot of the gadgety stuff I buy are like tool gadgets, which tend to be not used, but like for camping, I, I think what it is, is it's uh 
when you buy something you think is really neat, fancy, and very quickly it gets outdated, outmoded, something comes along that's a lot better. And it's or it like, doesn't work exactly as exactly. planned. Yeah. Well, right. I thought that would be a lot better or neater or, you know, like yeah. this stupid uh, star reading thing. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you it fits nicely inside one of those espresso machines. <laughs> 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 well, like like you say, one man's uh, junk's yeah, another man's yeah. treasures, right? <laughs> so, ah, well, alrighty. <laughs> okay, so do we want to get into something that's really debatable? No. Start a, <laughs> one, okay, let's start a fight. Here we go. <laughs> uh, this is one of the things, because I've asked Alan this week to come on because there was he was posting the, the one about the useless gadgets and, and the this one as well is... Is it the responsibility of YouTubers, bloggers, vloggers, podcasters, etc., to make sure anything they depict is safe? Examples, photos of paddlers must always show them wearing a PFD. How far do we need to go to police ourselves and take responsibility for what we put out publicly? Like PFDs. We always preach... Wear your, wear your life jacket. We talked last week yeah. about, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's a lot of people that disagree with making it a law that you have to wear it at all times. But um, what about safety items like hang your food barrel in the backcountry or not? Yeah, it's a, it's almost like a social responsibility when you, you when you depict or post or whatever. And it's like, well, you know, th- this person, it's like it's like somebody uh, v- uh, holding the phone up while they're doing 150 kilometers an hour down the 401. You know, it's like, well, for one, you're not supposed to go that fast. For two, you're not supposed to use your phone at the same time. And so you just, you know, hey, look at this YouTube video, just a YouTube short. I was doing 150. It's like, you know, it's, you should be more responsible for what you do in the backcountry. Like, don't be videoing yourself, like carving your name into a tree. That's just dumb and it's not the responsible mm-hmm. thing to do. But it's uh, it's, it's the, the life jacket thing is can be debatable, and well, I've heard it debated at length. But uh, it's one of those things. If you're going to, if you're just going to be a Yahoo out there doing stuff, then you kind of expect it out of them. But if you are of a more professional person, individual, corporation, company posting stuff, so if, for example... You know, paddle mag or somebody like that. If they're posting something, look at this. You know, whatever. If they're putting it, they a paid ad on their on their in their book or their magazine. Then you know, it, there should be something of a social responsibility to say, well, we're professional. We're going to show you how professional should do it, and so our professional, you know, whatever people are in on film are going to be in a life jacket. Right now, and see, this is sort of what brought this up is because there was an article that I was going to post on our site. Mm-hmm. But when you talk to the article and you see the photos and stuff like that, I'm thinking that's not the safest way for this fellow to be doing stuff. So I didn't post it. But Alan, you did. I did. <laughs> and I did. And I posted it direct from the source, which was a, a news station in um, Maine, because I didn't want to. And my question that I posted on CCAC Ontario site was essentially does the people posting this. Not the news news agency, but the paddling magazine or the kayaking magazine. Should I just uh, out of the magazine? But the kayaking <laughs> magazine, um, who is a voice in this industry and one that people look to for best practices? Do they have a responsibility to show best practices? And if they're showing something that's not a best practice, 
did they have an obligation to educate the viewers? Mm -hmm. And personally, I think in that instance, because the video had an article accompanying it that just highlighted the fact that this guy had done, you know, he's 80 odd years old and he had paddled every month for X amount of years. And, you know, the guy's using a handmade paddle, a kayak without, um, uh, bulkheads um maybe it had flotation in it i'm not sure it didn't appear that he was wearing any kind of winter immersion gear mm -hmm. and they're applauding this guy for his accomplishment which is fantastic but they missed a huge opportunity to educate the public that this type of winter paddling isn't the best and there's a whole other side of winter paddling that can be amazing and fun and safe and they missed that opportunity and I think anybody, and I know, um, and, and we've had this discussion with um, our friend Jim, mm -hmm. whose last name escapes me, right? Baird. Baird. Um, Jim Baird, that he's like, no, I shouldn't have to be out there doing everything perfect every freaking time. Like, I want to bomb down a rapid without wearing a PFD, then, you know, that's on me. It's like, well... I kind of disagree with him and others on that, that if you have a voice and you have a pulpit where you're preaching and people are looking to you for best practices and as an expert, you do have a bit of responsibility to be doing things properly. Um, you know, we, we learned years ago when mad cow disease was happening, Oprah said something to the effect of, I'm never eating another burger and like beef prices in America dropped. And she got sued by the Texas Cattlemen's oh, Association. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She ended up winning that lawsuit. And I forget the whole details of whatever, but, um, you know, but like, because she said, and she's a person of influence, um, that she wasn't going to eat another burger like that influenced potentially millions of people. And I think if you have a platform, whether it's a podcast or a YouTube channel that has a significant following or even the admin of a Facebook group, um, that has a significant following, um, you kind of have a responsibility to make sure that you're putting the best foot forward and not just letting crap hit the airwaves and people are looking at it. Well, if so-and-so says this is okay, then it must be okay. And I can also go out and paddle with a paddle that looks like a road sign or a pizza oven mm -hmm. paddle or, you know, with my winter jacket on with ice along the shoreline like uh, no i don't think so yeah yeah and, and you know what that's sort of i mean to, to go to jim's thing if you know what yeah you know what if you want to bomb down a rapid without your life jacket and a helmet and everything like that fill your boots as far as i'm concerned yeah. but if you're filming it mm -hmm. no and but, posting it and, and posting and, it yeah and, but he could also yeah. make it a lesson too he could say listen I'm not doing this. I agree it's not the best thing, but I'm taking that risk on myself. Everybody needs to, you know what I mean? It could be a moment to educate as opposed to just ignoring it and, and somewhat becoming the, the, uh, the, in the limelight of people going, oh, yeah, I'm not going to wear a life jacket. He doesn't wear it. You know what I mean? He should highlight. Oh, yeah, he should definitely highlight, but no one ever does. That's the yeah, thing, right? Yeah. If you're doing something like that, going, you know what, then he should preface it in his video saying, I should really – it's just like he says, I'm just going to take the chance and th this looks like it's going to be good around the corner. I'm not going to get out I'm and not going to scout it. I'm going to yeah. take the risk. 
and it might cause other people to go, yeah, he took the risk. I think I'll try yeah. that too. Yeah. And yeah, and that's my big thing is, you know, I, I, I purposely didn't post that ad because mm-hmm. I'm looking, I mean, the paddle alone was a big, um, you know, that article, I should say that the paddle alone was a big, no, I'm not, mm-hmm. I can't put that on our site. And, and it's, it's, you know, it, it's just like the bushcrafters. Oh, you know, going yeah, out there and not, you know what? That's fine. If you want to do that. And, but I mean, when they're doing it in Ontario parks and stuff like that, where it's illegal mm-hmm. to be cutting down live trees and stuff like yeah. that, yeah. that's an issue. Um, and then, I mean, if you want to take it far as far as, and we've talked about this before, sharing locations in the back country of f- great fishing sites yeah. or, you know, waterfalls that are hard to get to, but Sort of, but you can get to them if you want to. You want to make it or really cool landscapes and that. And the next thing you know, there's herds massive of herds of people out there mm-hmm. destroying the area. Yeah, you know, and, and and I honestly think it's if, as you say, Alan, you're the influencer and you've got that following. I definitely think it's it's up to us to be responsible, be responsible, yeah. and think before. Just don't blind um, post stuff yeah. for the sake of. Of clicks and likes, like with the bush characters and stuff, uh, I, I I see that as uh, so they say you know if somebody complains about it, come on you didn't even tear it down when you're done or this that the other mm-hmm. thing or you're cutting live trees, it's just me I'm just one person I mean how much damage can I do? It's like well you might have just influenced ten thousand different people that are going to go out there and do the same thing as you, and next thing you know some little park has got you know. 20 lean-tos in it because all these bushcrafter wannabes are out there trying to cut their own lean-tos and mm-hmm. it's like it's yeah i i don't like that movement the way it come it has come across on on social media facebook instagram stuff like that yeah it, it's it's a i, I don't know if a fad is the right word but I, it's taken off yeah it is you know it really is like a fad it, it's, mm-hmm. it's really taken off uh, and there's a lot of people that are into it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I mean, when I when I go backcountry camping, when I set up my, if I can use the striker as opposed to matches or a lighter, yeah. I give that a whirl just to, you know, see what'll happen, sort of stuff. I don't get into the making lean tos and shelters yeah, and exactly that sort yeah. of stuff, but um, people do, and they just got to take into effect that you know what, there's proper ways to do it, mm-hmm. and if you are going to be showing pictures and filming, yeah. You might want to make a point of making sure you're doing it the proper way, yeah. and yeah, um, like I'm doing this on private land, and the owner knows yeah. about it. Or this is my own backyard, not like, hey, I'm doing this in the middle of a Gonquin Park. This is great. Look at me. Yeah, right. And so. then we all blame Alan. <laughs> blame me and my crumbly torch. That's right. <laughs> Your yeah, Derek, you were mentioning something a minute ago, and I forget. I wanted to jump in. Um, I forget what it was, but it was just about how small an influence can have big repercussions. Yes. It was my point. And rock stacking along a stream bed. Oh, well. in a we, We've talked about this before. It's something that, you know, so many people, like even a little bit of education on that can influence somebody. Um, you know, just how, how much that can harm an, a, a very localized ecosystem exactly. by somebody just stacking six rocks along a stream bed yeah. um, and then posting a picture and somebody's like, oh, that's cool. And then all of a sudden you go to the same stream bed and there's two rock stacks and three rock stacks and another rock stack over this stream and that. It's, um, you know, because they want another little pretty picture for Instagram and that. It's, 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 we do. We have a responsibility to whoever's watching whatever we're posting 
to try to, when we have an audience, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm not talking about grandma who's got 62 followers and they're all her grandchildren or anything like that. But still, it's like even grandma's responsibility not to be whatever, because those grandchildren are Influ- I, I went off on a tangent here. I think I'm three ounces in a bottle of Jameson. So I went <laughs> on a but no, it is a good point. It is a good point. Yeah. So when, when you get out there and start doing stuff like that, I don't know how many times I've gone to some remote area and it's like, I'm surrounded by like 20 Inukshooks. How is that possible? Yeah. Why are people doing this? Right, funny, funny, funny story about Inukshook. I don't know if you've ever been to Bon Echo, mm-hmm. but at the top of Bon Echo, above all the petroglyphs, petroglyphs yep. that are painted on the side of the walls, there's a hiking trail that takes you up to the top of the cliff. And gorgeous overlook. And then there's this bit of a field in this rock area. And me and my friend were there once um, to see the petroglyphs years ago, 10, 12 years ago. And we do the hike up to see the view. And we see no less than 50 or 60 rock stacks and it was all in dry rock and all that but we took great pleasure in knocking every single one of those ones down yeah you know just like it's just a stupid exercise it is if you want to you want to hike into and be in a natural area and suddenly it's not a natural area it's like suddenly it's like you're in a local park it's like i didn't come here for the local park experience i came here to be in a remote area that it's all naturalized it's you know it's there may be some paths trodden into it but it's not built up with like 50 anookshooks it's like come on people yeah it's yeah, just essentially stop leaving your mark. Just yeah, yeah we don't need to leave, leave our mark. mark. No. We've we've left enough marks on this planet already. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think I think uh, as you know, uh, like I say, YouTubers, bloggers, vloggers, podcasters, etc. I think we need to be better and yeah, just uh, think before we we post. And and one more comment on it that I have is for uh, so if you and there's a prime example and. It fits right into a prime example is because I can't even remember what the article is about. All I remember is the fury in the comment section, and it completely distracts from the story. Like, for example, you, you, you see an article about somebody not wearing a life jacket, everybody comments, and it's like you've kind of, you kind of co- totally gone off topic. Everybody's commenting on the lack of life jacket. The story that we saw where it showed a can of Coors Light, and everybody's oh. ranting about how evil the Coors Light company is, and this, that, the other thing, and and so the, there was such a backlash that the guy photoshopped the can of Coors Light out of the photo, and so you could still see the photo with the can in the email that I got, but you couldn't see it in the online article because he photoshopped it, and like I said, I don't even know what the guy wrote about it. I just remember all the thunderous roar of all the people saying, what a bad There was close to 150 comments yeah. about the fact that... He, there was this Coors Light yeah. can in the photo. And I remember seeing one comment, yeah, the good article, uh, yeah. uh, good messaging. And it's like, oh, I don't remember what the messaging was because yeah. I was distracted and by totally, all the troll comments. Yep. So it's it's one of those things. If you you do a story, be aware of of the media that is attached to the story, the photo, the, the whatever. Because, they, like, for example, there was an article recently about national parks that I was reading but somebody had the initial author had included a stock photo of a campsite in Algonquin Park. Algonquin's not a national park, but the story was about national parks and then changed to the reservation system. And so I, I have this Google search that always shows me Algonquin Park stories, and I get like 14 different stories about the national parks is changes to the reservation system, but I got it because I was searching for Algonquin Park. It's like, well, think about it. <laughs> Couldn't you find a national park stock photo to not mm-hmm. distract from your your initial story? 
right? Yep. So no life jacket, everybody's going to troll the no life jacket thing. Somebody's got a Coors Light can in the background, everybody's going to troll about the Coors Light can. It's like you're losing the effect of your story because you're distracting everybody, but and you're bringing trolls out of the woodwork and out from under their bridges, and, and then you're, you're losing the effect and the message and the impact that your story could have initially brought by not having a responsible photo along with it. Yeah. So let's do better. On to some better stuff here. Kayaking, canoeing, and paddling are popular water sports that have been gaining popularity in recent years. I didn't know that. I had no idea. With the rise in popularity... We, we, should, do an, we should do an episode on that. <laughs> the rise in popularity. Uh, with the rise in popularity, paddlers are always on the lookout for new and exciting places to explore. With the advent of technology, finding a suitable spot has become much easier thanks to the availability of interactive maps. One such map is the Board and Kayaks interactive map, which allows paddlers to search for paddling locations near them with just a few clicks. Boardandkayak.com is an interactive map. Now, I didn't find anything in a lot of Europe. Like, I found stuff in England, Spain, Portugal, stuff like that. All through North America. There's only, I mean, 50,000 launch sites. Mm -hmm. That's still quite the number. Uh, so you can zoom into wherever you're going and you can find sites where you can launch your boat. Their uh, interactive map is a comprehensive user-friendly platform for any kayak canoeing or paddling adventure fan, offers over 50,000 launch sites, takeouts, destinations, lakes, fishing spots, places to choose from for kayaking, canoeing, or paddling. Map provides information on local amenities and nearby paddling locations. Um, map is available online, so it can be accessed from anywhere at any time. Makes it easier for kayakers to plan. And they, they, I have a feeling who does this, they're a lot big into kayaking. They use (laughs) kayaking a lot. Uh, (laughs) I think Alan had a hand in this. Uh, makes it easier for kayakers to plan their trips, even when on the go. So yeah, if you got cell service or whatever, internet service. You can just bring up the map and go, oh, hey, we're over here today. I wonder if there's any exactly, places yeah, we yeah. can go. And you bring up the map and you click on it and it'll show you exactly where to go. The Board and Kayaks interactive map is a must-have tool for any kayaking, canoeing, or paddling adventure fan looking to explore new and exciting locations. Whether thir- searching for paddling close to, to you or looking to explore new locations. It's pretty cool. You had a quick chance to look at it there, Alan? I am. I'm, I'm on it right now. And one, one kind of feature that I'm, I'm finding out right now is like they even have some like routes. Um, so they have like, I just uh, point, uh, clicked and zoomed in on one of my favorite launch spots, which is Cherry Beach, and, um, kind of the east side of downtown Toronto. And it's like Cherry Beach to Toronto Islands. Um, they don't really have much on the route, but they've got, you know, it's a launch point. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got free parking, they have seasonal bathroom, picnic tables, that kind of thing. They also have another list of, um, nearby uh, launch spots as well. And they also have an FAQ section as well. Like, it's, does Cherry Beach to Toronto Islands have a kayak canoe launch point? Yes. Is it free parking? Yes. Um, you know, so it's kind of neat. It's really, really neat. This is a pretty new site to me as well. Mm-hmm. I've used um, paddling.com. It's had a, a, a similar kind of thing. But, uh, no, this one's uh, really cool. 
Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I book, well, I shouldn't say I'm going to, I have bookmarked this. <laughs> so I'm gonna give it a whirl when, yeah, when we're traveling around. Yeah. Check it out. So go to boardandkayak.com and, uh, check out this interactive map. Matt, have you seen how is it generated? Is it user generated or did you say that already? That I didn't see. Looking at it? Yeah. Like, how do they know where they're getting their info? I got to think it's it's user-generated. They'll be, there's a spot be. to put uh, suggest the, inf- hey, suggest there's the information. Hey, yeah. launch point here. There's a launch point cool. there. Yeah. Hmm. It's very useful. Mm-hmm. Anyway. All righty. So that silence you all heard was all of us looking at the uh, at the map. Just <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so you all know, we weren't ignoring you, the listener. We were yeah. looking at the important kind of thing. Cause, Forget the listener. I'm looking uh, at. I'm booking spots. Sure, I'm sure Sean has gone into this in detail. But me and me and Derek really just learned about today, and this is the first time we're looking at it. Well, <laughs> the next thing here, Alan, may be right up uh, your alley. Uh oh, what was it? Norse kayaks. So, hey, Dale. Virgil. Had, you should have had Virgil on for this one. No, no. He would have gone totally out. <laughs> he has two North kayaks. Oh, does he? he do, yeah, he does. Oh, I didn't realize that. Not the new yeah. ones, though. Not the new ones. No, 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 no. His now is he's a few years mad. old. But, um, yeah, his, his are probably three or four years old. Yeah. So. Oh, should have had him on here. Well, we'll just sure tag him. He had, but why don't you go ahead and tell us all about this new so, future hey, Dale, they have announced that its custom-made mechanical graphene master batch has been used to create stronger and lighter composite sea kayaks for Norwegian paddle sport brand Norse Kayaks. And everybody's always looking for the newest, lightest, make your, yep. your canoes, kayaks stronger, but lighter, right? Kevlar, Kevlar Fusion. Uh, my canoe has an Egra basalt rock in it which is makes it stronger but lightweight. Using the new graphene-enhanced material has reportedly made Norse kayaks 30% lighter, going from 23 kilograms, which is 54 pounds, to 16 kilograms, 35 pounds. That's big. That's a big weight saver, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, graphene, that's the, the hollow carbon fiber tube, nanotube type thing, right? Isn't that what graphene is? I just keep thinking graphite. Yeah. Which is like my pencil. <laughs> uh, making the composite kayak easier to load and transport. The use of graphene in the vacuum infusion composite layup process has also increased both impact strength and stiffness, improving the resistance to breakage in critical areas of the kayak. Vibration dampening has also improved oh. the user experience. Nice. You gotta think if they're gonna do this. It's a huge weight saving, eh? That's big time weight savings. Yeah. So if you got a thirty-five pound canoe now, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you can save thirty percent on that. Yeah, I know, right? Right. Well, and that's something that the canoe manufacturers have always gone to. And then there's pros and cons, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like especially once Royal X went away. Oh yeah. Like yeah, I remember. Yeah. Um, which we call it the guys in London, Novacraft. Um, Novacraft. You know, they came up with uh, tough stuff. Tough stuff, it? yeah. And they were showing them throwing a canoe off a six-story building, and standing and, on it, and, and, and yeah, and and hit, I remember um, James that used to own handcrafted canoes. He had a, a big thing in when he came up with uh, some other new fabric that somebody else had developed that he was making his canoes out of, and he's taking a hammer to it. You know, so there's always. Um, 
you know, people trying to make things lighter, stronger, more flexible, um, whether it's in the canoe industry, the kayak industry, and it all evolves from, you know, the, the space and aerospace and, um, you know, military jets and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So we get the benefits of that downstream from all that, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, and one of the other cons is, you know, the lighter you get, more expensive the more price. expensive it is too, right? <laughs> so they, yeah. I haven't seen prices on any of this yet. So uh, renowned for building well-made, high-quality kayaks since 2013, Norse currently has 12 designs in its portfolio. They use vacuum infusion molding techniques to ensure a flawless finish and even uh, distribution of materials across the kayak. These new graphene-enhanced kayak prototypes, they've sold out 30 already, leading to positive expectations on potential sales when the season starts. First kayaks reach the European marketplace at the beginning of the season. Uh, commenting on the new graphene-enhanced kayak, Norse said the use of graphene has extended our expectations, or sorry, exceeded our expectations, and we're sure that this will set a new standard of what is possible to do with sea kayaks. We have never seen this kind of impact strength on lightweight sea kayaks in our 20 years' experience in the kayaking business. Haydale CEO Keith Broadbent added, it been, has been a challenge for the composites industry to effectively use nanomaterials in the resin infusion process, but now having worked closely with Norse on a custom-made graphene resin solution, we are delighted with the product enhancements they have seen. And he went on to say they, the uses for the automotive industry and aircraft industry, space industry, all that sort of stuff. So, like you say, Alan, this is all intertwined. It's the future. It's the future. <laughs> it's the future. <laughs> but it makes me think about, uh, like, the few times I go out uh, solo paddling, I, it's like, okay, I, I remember once we went up uh, QE2, uh, QE yep. and it was windy, my canoe was too light, so I had to fill my dry bag, emptied my dry bag, filled it with water, put it in the nose, in the bow, because my canoe is too light. Mm -hmm. It's like, I can't handle the wind. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so you get all these really, really light kayaks, and it's like, ah, I can't handle this thing anymore in the wind. It's too light. <laughs> well, and it's true. Like, if, you, if you've if you got, like, depending on how the chines are in the, um, what's the thing makes it shape like a banana? Anyway, um, depending on how heavy it is, like, some kayaks are just designed for tripping. Yeah. So if you just sit in it as a kayak or without any gear in it, it's like it handles very different when you throw Oh, yeah. 5, 10, 15 kilograms worth of gear in it, mm -hmm. um, which is what it's meant to be most stable at and perform best at. So, the rocker. That's the word. The rocker. There we go. The banana The banana The banana shape. We're going with the technical here. Banana tubes and bananas. Oh, you mean the banana shape. Oh, why did you just say so? Rocker, using all these technical terms. <laughs> so yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on what happens with this if it leaks into other companies. Going to be able to uh, use kayaks as kites soon. All right. <laughs> See, even these water. guys that are doing these waterfalls, <laughs> I think Dane Jackson just did a hundred and thirty-four footer. Oh. He's going to get halfway down and get blown like <laughs> twenty miles the other direction. <laughs> well, he started at the top of the waterfall, ended up in some field down the road. I landed soft as a feather. <laughs> That's uh, that's pretty neat. I like to see new 
technology improvements yeah. and stuff because that could help me further down the line when I'm old. Helium or the hydrogen future. infused? The future. Helium or hydrogen infused uh, graphene nanotech uh, polymers? Uh, you know, your, your negative weight kayak? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Floats on air. <laughs> Did you go for a paddle? Sort of. Went for a float. <laughs> I hovered across the water. Yeah. Floating on air is a little dangerous nowadays, especially over Lake Huron. Right? Oh, and uh, yeah. oh, yes, yeah. I was going to bring that up a little later, but like anything else to add? But uh, anything else to add? Like, yes, I've been so waiting for the balloon thing to look, topic to come up. <laughs> yeah, you're out paddling right now, and you see something weird. Like usually we call nine one one or like star sixteen on our VHF or whatever, or star sixteen ourselves, yeah. channel sixteen on VHF. Like who the hell do we call when we see a Chinese weather balloon over like here on now? <laughs> yeah, it's like God, do I have the number for NORAD in my phone? I guess I got to put it there. <laughs> Hello, U.S. military. Yeah. <laughs> Got a plane in the area by chance with missiles? <laughs> Don't they, drop the Chinese weather balloon on the kayaker below, please. Well, that they they blew that one Chinese weather balloon up. What was the thing over the lake today? Uh, here on it was a smaller balloon. They said it was yeah. a very light payload, like four kilos or four pounds kilo. And there's uh, over what Yukon. There's one off of over Alaska. Oh yeah, there was one, one over, over Yukon. Yeah. One over Lake Huron. And so I, I think they're just overly cautious now because yeah, yeah. there's a lot of idiots out there just putting stuff up there. Like yeah. people doing a YouTube video and, look, I'm going to put this boiled egg into space. And Well, Phil sat in a lawn chair and we hooked him up to a giant balloon and he took off and the military <laughs> blew him out of the sky. <laughs> it was the darndest thing you ever seen. Oh, I'm scared to put my damn drone up. <laughs> over the pentagon again <laughs> <laughs> just make sure you got the 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 camera rolling there yeah, ellen yeah. right <laughs> oh man lightweight lightweight but there's balloons floating everywhere all the time and and now that they've they've recalibrated all the radars to pick up these because they've been only focused on high mover fast movers mm-hmm. like rockets and jets and and now they're recalibrating their radars to pick up these slow movers and drifters and and so they're seeing a lot of them they're saying oh geez, they're everywhere but so for the most part nobody really cared until that Chinese uh, spy thing with yeah. like three school buses attached to the bottom of it. That's a big payload. And it was able to direct itself. It had some sort of thruster system to, it could steer and, and hover and, and at, at 60,000 feet. It's like, wow. I don't know. Maybe they're testing yeah. out some new thing. Maybe it wasn't really, maybe it was like a NASA thing that got <laughs> away from them. It was just a giant <laughs> yeah. story. I'm just going to try some new theory here. Conspiracy theory. <laughs> don't, don't do conspiracy. Like, there's not enough conspiracy theory. I know, theory right? Okay, to all you conspiracy theorists out there, run with this. Run with it, I tell you. Run! <laughs> yeah. They're testing defenses so they can set up a nuke at 60,000 feet and put an EMP wave out and knock out all electricity across North America. And They're flying stuff to the moon via mm-hmm. big balloons. Who needs a rocket when you can just float it? Right. <laughs> uh, do you remember we talked about the ice canoe races in yes, Quebec Montreal. City? Uh, was it Quebec Montreal City. or Quebec City? Quebec City. So they were crossing the St. Lawrence River, right? It's a 3.2 kilometer, uh, two mile race. 50 canoes. Wow. Minus 20 degrees Celsius, mm, and you're which on, is minus four for a Fahrenheit. And you're on ch- chunky, broken up ice flows. Yep. yep. <laughs> Heavy snowfall, reduced visibility. Spectator said it was absolutely crazy, and if you've never seen it, you should. (laughs) 
Fun was had by all. Yes. That's the update I got. So, (laughs) I've been seeing a lot of posts about canoe clubs, dragon boat teams, and stuff like that lately. Yes. Uh, if you, Spring's coming. It is. If, if you've been thinking about it, you might want to start looking, especially Dragon Boat teams. They seem to be really popular, and there's a lot of them saying, hey, we're looking for new members. Don't wait. Yes. Uh, if, you're, yes. if you're thinking about doing it, then do it. Yeah, it's still bouncing just as it has the last couple of years. Because Dragon Boats, because they were a team sport and it was close proximity to each other, they were shut mm-hmm. down a lot during COVID, something like that. A lot of a lot of Dragon Boaters, to keep up their fitness in that, went into the uh, the single outriggers and that kind of thing. But it's coming back. Um, uh, my my girlfriend brother, he owns a uh, brother in law. He owns a um, Dragon Boat company in Montreal, and he, he he's as busy as ever. And what they're doing now, which is really cool, to segue back to the ice canoe races, is they're doing Dragon Boats on ice. He was mm-hmm. just in Edmonton this past weekend, and they're taking the Dragon Boats. They're putting skis or skates or some. Oh yeah, the they've been doing that. Yeah, and then they're, yeah, that, yep. so they're they're really doing that a lot lately, and and they're essentially using like this paddle with a big cloth a, ball on the end. Right, and yeah. and paddling along these canals. Like, they're supposed to have a big festival in Ottawa a couple weeks ago in the Rideau, but the Rideau hasn't opened yet, mm-hmm. um, which is, like, first time ever it's been this late. They're not even sure if it will at all, but, yeah, so that's kind of kind of cool. But, yeah, yeah, if you want to join one of those clubs, get on it. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking to keep in shape, maybe joining a rag- dragon boat team is just what you're looking for. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, you and if you like paddling are... and being yelled at at the same time, <laughs> dragon boating. Dragon boating for you. Your thing. <laughs> and because I mentioned um, I'm Matt, Matt Robert, um, I should plug his company, 22 Dragons in Montreal. Plug. Awesome. You're welcome, Matt. So send me the check. <laughs> Our podcast, send half to us. <laughs> uh, don't how, do you, how do you half zero? <laughs> <laughs> I have a zero is, is I don't know, zero? <laughs> I'll have my accountant call you. Uh, don't leave it the last minute, only a couple months till the ice is gone. And yeah, if, if you're new to paddling, joining a club, probably a good place to learn, get to meet uh, other people that are into paddling and get some information and, and whatnot. So do it. Do it. Do it now. Kangaroo Valley in Australia. We talk a lot about Australia. I know we're going there one day. <laughs> as much as there's things going to want to kill us down there, we're, we're going. Kangaroo Valley is on its way to cementing the title of Canoe Capital Australia with the launch of the new Canoe Carry Championship. See, I'm thinking Australia must be really flat. Much of it is. Because. Depends on where you go. I get enough portaging on a regular canoe trip that I don't want to go and race with a canoe on my head. (laughs) Local business owner Travis Frenet of Paddle and Portage Canoes will host the competition as part of the Kangaroo Valley Show on this weekend, February 18th. Prize money is up for first, second, and third place. We are hoping for people from across the canoe community and beyond to come and take their shot at the title or to simply check out the hilarious spectacle of 20 red canoes sprinting down the field. 100 meter field. You get the canoe on your head and run (laughs) there and run back. 200 meters with a canoe on your head. And there's cash prize money. There's cash prize money. They are so, using... Yes, Alan. Yeah, I'm going to interrupt. So when I saw the title for this, 
I'm like, well, it's just like the Finnish wife carrying competition. <laughs> yes, pretty you much. Ever heard of those? Yeah, yeah. Yes. You know, you, I think throw your wife on your back and <laughs> so you start running. Problem is, is if you wipe out carrying a canoe, you can bang up a canoe. But you wipe out carrying your wife on your shoulders. <laughs> Ouch! So yep. they're using the Winona Heron canoes, 15 feet in length and 50 pounds. Oh, wow! My wife is not 15 feet tall. <laughs> I'll leave it there. <laughs> anyway, um, first uh, the silence for me in there because the <laughs> they 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 don't have the who has to say it. A word about anything. Winners will be awarded a thousand dollars cash as well as a title. Second place three hundred. I might do it for the thousand bucks. Third place, 150. Fourth place for 50 in both men's and women's divisions. Sean. What? Can you run? I can. <laughs> okay. Right. I've only got to run faster than you and the that, Bears after you know, us. Like that, this sounds kind of unique and all, but the, the Greenlandics have been doing this for ever. They have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in Greenland they have the, the annual um, kayak kayak championships and that. It's not just all about the Greenlandic rolling and yeah. the boats and all that. There's also a huge running and fitness component to it as well. And a big part of one of their big races is um, running several hundred meters, if not a kilometer or two, um, with, with the skin on free kayak. So it's... Uh, and I can only think that the fur trappers and the traders back in the day probably had some sort of games that involved betting and women and beer uh, <laughs> to run with boats. <laughs> they would call that Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> well, look at what is it. There's the cheese roll competition over in, in, in Europe, so in, in England. Oh, down the hill? Yeah, they just roll yeah. this giant cheese roll and everybody chases <laughs> the cheese roll yeah. down the hill. <laughs> First one down gets the cheese roll. What is wrong with you people? Yeah, big wheel of cheese. <laughs> Doing dumb things and calling it a race forever. Yeah. yeah. Kind, of, kind of our thing. Yeah. 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 Uh, in June last year, the Festival of Canoe and Kayak, or the FOCK, F O C K, was launched. The first outdoor adventure festival of its kind in Australia. What was that acronym again? Five times fast, please. <laughs> Uh, I believe I said the fuck. Fuck? <laughs> F-O-C-K. Yes. Right. As they say, you got to be careful with that one. But no, you know what? Like, if I was there, I'd sign up. Just for the... Just for the fun of it. <laughs> I was going to say the other word. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the... Well, of it. Yeah. Okay, so we, we we carry canoes for all different reasons, portages uh-huh. or whatever. But the um, what's the park in northwestern Ontario that did the, the carry the canoe or the portage challenge a couple of years ago? Quetico. Oh yeah, Quetico. Yeah, remember yeah. Louisa had always been there. And like um, our, our our friend Sue walked through a Starbucks drive-through carrying a canoe, and yep. you know all sorts of different things. So it's um. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I think you should do this. You should sponsor it somehow and get a Falk race here. Yeah, we, we can do that here. Let's start our own race the, in conjunction Sean, with the one. Get the fucking race here, okay? <laughs> and you know there's going to be t-shirts <laughs> and hats. <laughs> I want the fucking race. <laughs> Wow, we should, yeah, we should, if this happens again next year, we yeah. should see, well, well, we do it in February, though. 
be snow. <laughs> ah, still. See if we can get like Swift or Novacraft to sponsor us with some canoes. <laughs> and we'll get a whole bunch of people yeah. the same weekend. Oh, we could do this at Mew Lake. There you go. Get Algonquin Outfitters to sponsor like 10 canoes and we do races yeah. in conjunction with these. Oh, I got to call them now. Where's my phone? Give me, give me Australia. So, <laughs> now keep in mind, the liability insurance for running an event like that would oh, be I'd get a waiver. very high. I'd give them a waiver. You'd still need liability insurance. Nah, I don't need liability insurance. I get a waiver. <laughs> you guys doing it? You dumb? You drunk? Good. Okay. Sign here. <laughs> anyway, that's pretty cool. So I'm, 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 I hope it goes well with them. Yeah. It's going to go fucking well, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I created a monster now. <laughs> All right, <good> call. <laughs> we gave Alan permission to swear. <laughs> but he's not, though. Fuck, F O C K. Yeah. I didn't swear. You didn't, I'm not hearing any change going in the swear bucket. You know, so Bucket's full, like, Alan. Didn't swear. It's, there's, there's change <laughs> all around the, the bucket. <laughs> Oops. Uh, plastic right. bottle rafts. In a bid to eradicate plastic from its fields, a Vietnamese farmer made eco-friendly rafts from discarded plastic bottles and sold them to local farmers. One of the major environmental concerns we face today comes from, as we know, plastic waste. And while plastic is incredibly useful and it's found almost everywhere from bags to single-use bottles and packages, considering the impact of plastic pollution, several countries are already taking measures to tackle the issue. Among the affected countries, Vietnam is considered one of those countries that have been struck by this issue of political pollution. Huge. While the government has taken necessary action to fight against the issue, a local Vietnamese farmer also made his bid by creating eco-friendly rafts from discarded plastic bottles. Now, I know I'm going to butcher his name. Farmer Lee Van Hue was Perfect. tired of seeing discarded plastic bottles in his fields. Like following, uh, which he we took up the initiative to make something useful from the waste. But I'm thinking, like, how much of this goes into a farmer's field? I yeah, these I know bottles right? and that, right? Like, how high population is these farming communities mm-hmm. that they have so many bottles? Uh, serving both the purpose of helping the local farmers and the environment, Hugh began collecting plastic bottles from his surroundings and making rafts out of them. To create the rafts, he put together all the bottles with the help of a net and then tied a plank on top of it, which which is, okay, so you're basically standing on a platform with bunches of bottles under you. As stated by the farmer, while the small rafts are made of 1,000 plastic <laughs> bottles, larger ones are made around 2,500 bottles. Hugh also claimed that the recycled rafts are more durable than the original boats. He's helped a lot of people, especially local farmers, with his rafts. This has not only eased the issue of transportation, but also helped farmers save money at the same time. While he has donated some rafts to his relatives, he's also sold a few to the local farmers. Speaking about his eco-friendly rafts, Hugh says, In the past... When we used to build or buy boats, they would be damaged in a year or two, while this one is longer life expectancy and is very convenient to travel around. Its load is almost no less than that of a normal boat. So he's given a few away and sold a few. If you're looking, even 10 boats, 
That's like 10,000 or more bottles. <laughs> where does where, where are these farm fields and why is there so many people with plastic bottles? Right? That's insane. Like you don't find I don't know that you'd find that many bottles around here. I mean I don't know what the what the water cleanliness situation is. That could be the yeah, big thing for that's why that's exactly groundwater. A lot of those, a lot of developing countries in that they rely yeah. on plastic. That that's the only yeah. thing I could think of, rather than the groundwater. But this reminds me of the plastiki. Do you remember the plastiki? The plastiki, which was a ship made of plastic bottles that went from San Francisco to Australia or something. No, it was um, designed after the Contiki which was another vessel that was made from, because like people have been moving around for Mm -hmm. millennia. And it's like, well, how did people get from New Zealand to Papua New Guinea to Bora Bora to all these places? And well, they used this stuff on hand, just like the Greenlandic kayakers did and the, you know, indigenous people in North America and Australia and everywhere else, they used what they had on hand. And the plastiki was kind of made in kind of, as a homage to the original Contiki boat and made of plastic bottles and some other plastic stuff to bind it all together in that. And it sailed successfully across the Pacific Ocean. Hmm. That was, I forget when that was. I should have Googled it before I tried to act as an authority on it. Were we talking about that earlier? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> we never do that in time. It's like, oh, I have to go quick. Yeah, somewhere, there's an article here in 2010. So 10, 15 years ago in there somewhere. So. Wow. Now I've seen the. They've made uh, and kayaks and stuff out of water bottles. I saw a guy right. who made an entire island and he lived on it with his house. It was all like two liter and one liter pop bottles and stuff. And it was incredible. He just went around and went to the, had to go to the dump to get some there. And But wow. he, <laughs> he had a house and a boat launch and stuff. This whole island built with plastic bottles. Wow. <laughs> that's That's a lot, man. Yeah, but yeah, one thousand. Would you like a one thousand bottle boat or a twenty five hundred <laughs> bottle boat? It's incredible they could find that many. Yeah, that's huge. Um, that's all I got except for February twenty fourth and twenty sixth, Toronto Outdoor Adventure Show. Oh yes, we're going to be there on the on the Saturday for sure because I'm speaking at five thirty. Uh, What's your topic? What, what are you talking about? Paddling, the connections we make. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it, it, I mean, a lot of people just go paddling, do, 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 but if you start looking at the connections, the different types of connections, it's huge. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be uh, chatting about that. The Quiet Adventure Symposium is in East Lansing, Michigan, uh, Saturday, March 4th. We're, we're heading down to that. We'll have a booth there. and So we had the last few years, well, we've minus the COVID uh, years. Um, we set up our booth and uh, interview people right there on the day. Canucopia, March 10th to 12th. I'm heading down that way, and Tracy is uh, going to be joining me. Kevin Callan and Andy Baxter are going to be driving, apparently. They're going down to it. Canucopia? Yeah. If I see him on the road. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ontario Backcountry Canoe Symposium is on March 25th. And uh, Ottawa Outdoor and Adventure Travel Show, April 15th to 16th in Nepean Sportsplex in uh, Nepean, Ontario, at Ottawa. Uh, that's all I've got. Alan, you got anything else? What was the date of the Ottawa thing? Uh, April 15th and 16th. Okay, I won't be there then. I'm there at the end of this month. 
Oh, yeah, they're... Uh, yeah. Beginning, of, beginning of March. Beginning of March, yep. yeah. Yeah, it's a weekend away. Yeah. week away. Two days away, whatever. Sounds good. Anything else? No, I'm... I'm, I'm all tapped out. I did have I had something else, but I brought it up in the middle of the stuff. The whole balloon paddling shot down NORAD. <laughs> School I'm totally going to find. I'm totally going to find the number for NORAD to report a suspicious. <laughs> oh, uh, and I'm yeah. going to post that in the group on uh, Friday morning. I so. saw birthday balloons floating. <laughs> Come shoot it down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Mike Burns. He goes to uh, Point Paley. Point Paley and uh, gets Flex. all the. He he cleans the beach. Is, is he said it drives him nuts. He finds so many. Pop balloons on yeah. the beach, so that, and they're just collected in the in the reeds and the trees, the bushes and stuff. And he, he's like he like fills bags of them every yeah. year. It's like incredible. Yeah, well, that's where they all end up, man. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, so I have an update on the NORAD thing. Yeah. Now this just says Santa Tracker, but I'm thinking if they've got a note a number for the Santa Tracker, it might they're be the right number. Utilizing to call. it for the Chinese weather balloons <laughs> in the meantime, so it's one eight seven seven high NORAD. So that's one eight seven seven four four six six seven two three. So if you, know, you see if any see, sketchy if giant you see balloons, something something sketchy floating above your paddling location, you know, call the ride. They'll shoot it down. It's a giant Macy's Day Parade balloon. <laughs> if you find a sketchy balloon in your neighborhood, who are you gonna call? Norad. <laughs> Hi, Norad. <laughs> now, if somebody does call that number. Please let us know what your reaction was. <laughs> Sorry, we only look after fat guys, red suits, and deer in the sky. You'll want our balloon division. Let me transfer you. <laughs> oh, we have started so many bad things today. Uh, that's all I got. Derek, you got anything else? I, there's one thing I'm going to mention is people are going to wonder, what is he talking about? Because if you go back and correct it, but if you correct it, you have to do it in a different voice. So when you're talking about plastic pollution, you said political pollution. Did I say political pollution? 100%. Go really? Back, let's do it. So, so if you, How would I get political pollution? I don't know, but I even highlighted it after you said it. <laughs> well, well there's funny. probably political pollution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I didn't catch that because I was looking up the plastiki, kartiki <laughs> thing. That's how it is. Oh, don't go back and correct it. Keep no, it up to political pollution. But if you do pollution, correct it, you have to do it in a different voice, so like a too. voiceover and... <laughs> <laughs> Consider the impact of plastic pollution? Yes. Oh, several Start countries are already taking measures to tackle the issue. <laughs> Along with the political pollution. <laughs> Anyways, oh, a little amazing. bit of a little bit of subconscious things going on there, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> no, that was a fucking <laughs> oh, no. Way to go, Australia. See what you started. Fuck's sake. <laughs> Alan owes us 90 bucks by now. Uh, well, all right. If you want to find out more about us. <laughs> do you know? Do you really? <laughs> I'm not sure they do anymore. You can find us at... Well, I guess the police can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Hi, Norad. <laughs> you can download our streamer episodes on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast download- downloading sites. 
Uh, go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com and you can stream or download all our episodes there. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with friends, family, and fellow paddlers. Alan Drummond, Kingdom Outdoor Products, thanks for joining us this week. That's your cue. It was, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And if there's any weird kind of gaps in conversation tonight, people, <laughs> Sean had to go back and edit some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, not so, hashtag. Sorry, not sorry. I, th- there will be no beeps because the whole second half of the show after the Australia, I said Australia, it's just going to be a solve. It's going to be like the dead guy on the TV show CSI hooked up to the monitor. Oh, thanks, Alan. Fun times, guys. Fun times. <laughs> I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.